BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Today's conversation is a very exciting one, a very special one. And it just feels like such an honor to have a presidential candidate on the show. That's right. We have someone on the show who is currently and actively running for president 2024, Marianne Williamson. And what is so special about having Marianne on the show is that I've been a fan of hers since long before these political endeavors. I have been an OG fan of Marianne. I mean, I guess I can't call myself an OG OG fan because I wasn't even born when this woman began taking over the spiritual world and doing so many incredible things. She is a best-selling author, spiritual thought leader, a political activist. She has done so much for the spiritual world, especially with her book, Return to Love, which was touted by Oprah and she's been on Oprah. I mean, it's always so cool when someone has been on Oprah and then they come on this podcast. I always just feel a little bit closer to being like a really legit journalist. But you know that I'm always having conversations with people on this show. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this is my political affiliation and this is who I'm voting for, who I'm telling you to vote for. Quite the contrary. I want to have conversations with everyone. I'm such a fan of Marianne and so much of what she does. And she blew me away in this conversation. She taught me a lot about politics, what needs to change in politics, even just the passion that our generation can have about what's going on in the world, how much it can shift and evolve the world. So I'm a huge fan of hers, but I just had to get it out there in the beginning. This is not me saying, oh my God, I'm aligning 100%. This is me just stepping into the realm of having a very special conversation with someone who I really feel is changing the world and impacting the world in incredible ways. Now, I will also say she's the only presidential candidate that I've ever had the opportunity to sit down with. I'm open to sitting down with anyone who's running for president. 
Not sure that a lot of people who are running for president would want to sit down and talk to me. But if they did, they would be welcome here on this show. This is really just about expanding our perspectives and inviting as many loving, spiritual, open-minded perspectives on the show as possible. So I know a lot of you are huge fans of Marianne, especially dating back to all of her incredible spiritual work. So in this conversation, we talk about her career. We talk about how she got into politics. We talk about the truth of politics, the politics of love. We talk about A Course in Miracles, of course. And I also just wanted to get to know the Marianne behind what you see online every day. So this was very special. This is her second time on the show, but our first time meeting in person. And I feel like I have changed 10 million fold since the first time Marianne came on the show. The first time she came on, and it was virtual. I was in Miami. I remember being so nervous and so barely feeling worthy of having a conversation with someone who I've admired for so long. And on this day, we recorded in person. I felt so calm, so confident, and just so worthy and deserving to have this conversation with her. And neither of those experiences had anything to do with her. She was perfectly lovely and incredible and kind both times, humble, down to earth, everything. It was me that's really, really shifted in the last three years. So I just wanted to mention that to say anything is possible. We're always evolving. We are always stepping into newer and higher versions of ourselves if we allow ourselves to shift, change, and evolve. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Please don't judge me on any of the things that I say here. Questions that I have about politics and running for president. Hopefully me asking these questions gets some of your questions answered as well. And with that, thank you so much to Marianne for taking time out of your busy, busy campaign schedule to come on The Balanced Blonde. Now let's get into this episode. Can't wait. Marianne, I'm so happy that you're here. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. It is an honor to have you back on the show. Thank but it's you. our first time meeting in person, thank which you. is so exciting to me. I appreciate because that. Because I've been such a fan of yours for as long as I can remember. Oh, thank you. All of your books, all of your spiritual teachings, you really paved the path for everything that I'm interested in and everything that I do now with this podcast and beyond. Well, that makes me very, very happy. And I'm sure you're paving the path for people after you. I hope so. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's one long, continuous You're passing thing. the baton mm-hmm. and you're doing so many exciting things now that I can't wait to get into. But Thank before you. we do, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience Tell them a little bit about your background, your spiritual work, and and where you came from. Well, I come uh, from Houston, Texas. And back in the 1970s, I started reading a book called A Course in Miracles, which probably a lot of people who are watching your podcast know about. And I started giving lectures. And at that time, it was before there was a career niche like there is today of women particularly standing up in a kind of non-denominational context, talking about spirituality, personal growth, and so forth. So I had no reason to think that it would lead to anything other than just more joy in doing it. I was here in Los Angeles. I was a temporary secretary. I was a waitress. I didn't know what I was going to do beyond that to earn money, but I just knew that talking about The Course in Miracles was what 
brought me joy. Then, however, the AIDS crisis burst onto the scene. And in a very real way, gay men in Los Angeles gave me my career because all of a sudden my lectures were very filled because this was such a time of crisis. And there was this then young woman, I started, I was 31 years old, talking about a God who loves you no matter what and how when we love each other, miracles happen. And then this just became a full-time thing. And then five years after that, I know probably some of the people who are watching come from Los Angeles. We founded out of that Project Angel Food, which still exists today, in order to feed homebound people with AIDS. And we did a lot of work, those of us who were at the lectures, a lot of work around being of service to people who were going through that because it was a very intense experience for the city and for the country and for the world. And then five years after that, I got a book contract to write a book based on the lectures I had been giving. And then in 1992, the book came out, and it's called A Return to Love. Best book ever. I'm Thank sure you. so Thank many you. people listening well, have read this book. It's been a life changer for so many of us. Thank you for saying that. And my, to my great good fortune, Oprah Winfrey said the same thing. Yes. It's really people, younger people today can't appreciate what that meant in those days, that Oprah liked your book. Oh, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> and so that gave me a really a national and an international audience and career. And that has been a very meaningful career for me. Back in 2014, I decided I wanted to run for Congress because I began to recognize that even though we can work on our personal lives and transform, which is really the center of it all, and even though I could found nonprofits and raise charitable contributions and help people, I began to see in my travels around the country that there was a kind of ubiquitous level of despair that no amount of charity could fix, no amount of private charity could compensate for, because it had to do with how the society had come to operate. That there are too many people living in invisible places in this country who are locked out, who don't have hope of ever being in this room. And they're locked out before they're 10 years old. 80%, I'll give you an example, 80% of the families whose children go to public school in Los Angeles live beneath the poverty line. Wow. I know, it's stunning. And in many of the schools that they attend, they don't even have the resources to teach a child to read. And if a child mm. cannot learn to read by the age of eight, the chances of high school graduation are drastically decreased and the chances of incarceration are drastically increased. You know, the other night, and this might be something that you would like to do, Jordan, I'd love to connect you to the woman. There is a very, very old traditional organization called the Union Rescue Mission down in Skid Row. Mm -hmm. And it's run by interns, uh, by volunteers, and they have this thing called Mondays at the Mission. And the kids who are between 12 and 18, every Monday, they like people to come talk to the kids who are doing something interesting. 
sharing information. I think you'd actually be perfect. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so special. Now, these kids were great. I mean, they're just like kids anywhere else. And it had a very clean energy, actually, because they're so like, there's such a no drugs, no alcohol mm -hmm. rule at the mission. Many of these children had actually walked here from Latin America. Wow. Had walked here. There's a place in southern uh, Mexico called the Darien Gap, which is one of the most inhospitable landscapes on the planet. So think how awful your life has to be due to the drug cartels mainly and the economic devastation in those countries, but mainly the violence. Think how terrible life has to be that you were willing to walk with small children to get here to be at some place like the Union Rescue Mission on Skid Row, oh and still that is preferable to where you were. Yeah. Oh, my God. And because of our policies, people are forced into the shadows. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about undocumented. The people who are undocumented don't want to be undocumented. Mm -hmm. But in too many cases, in order to become documented, they have to risk deportation and all kinds of Mm -hmm. It's terrible the trauma these people are put through on top of just the, the the hardship. So for me, I was so struck, though, and I hope you will go there because these kids are, they have the same dreams, same ability. You know, I remember many years ago, there was a woman I knew, and she was at that time, she has since passed. She was the Supreme Court Justice in Oklahoma, but she was also a... She was the chief justice of the Supreme Court in Oklahoma, and she was also a very religious Christian scientist. And so she liked my work. In fact, she was a real mentor to me in terms of putting the two together. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if I would come out there. My first book had come out, so I think she knew I'd been commercially successful. She was asking for money, which I was glad to give uh -huh. when I had it at that time. And it was, there's this thing called adjudicated kids. They had been considered bad kids at school. And if somebody didn't rescue them right then, they would, statistically, there was a great probability they would end up in jail. Now, remember, when I was, when I was in college, there were 300,000 people in prison in the United States. Today, there are 2.3 million. So she asked me to come out there. And I remember sitting in a circle with these kids. And I started by asking them what their dreams were. Their dreams weren't any different than kids who go to Westlake. Their dreams weren't any different than any kids that you know. Mm -hmm. Another situation that really impacted me once I was at a school in inner city Detroit, deeply disadvantaged financially. And I did the same thing. What are your dreams? And I was struck by how many of the kids, when I said, what do you want to be when you're an adult? How many of them said, I want to be a pediatric cardiologist. Wow. Now, some pediatric cardiologists must have come and spoken to their class, right? Yeah. But when I asked a friend later, why do you think they all want to be pediatric cardiologists? He said, because they were told that that's the doctor who fixes a child's broken heart. Oh, my God. And then I did this. I, said, I put the boys on one side and the girls on the other. And I said, okay, this is the dream. I mean, this is what we're going to do. Girls and we're gonna do it in the girls, and we're gonna do it in the boys. Say what you wanna do with your life. You're a girl and you're gonna say what you do in your life. And then one of the boys has to tell you that he has confidence that you can do it. So one girl says something like, I wanna be an editor at a, at a fashion magazine. Okay, Devin, 
Tell her. Well, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you can do it. I said to the girl, I said, did he convince you? Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly inspiring. Devin, keep talking. And we get to the point where he said, you can do it. You've got it in you. You've got the potential. And then the same thing with asking the guy. So I just see so many people in this country, or I have seen so many people who, whose dreams are shackled, who, 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 who live in, you know, not all prison walls are visible. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so I realize how much poverty is at the bottom of so much of that. Mm-hmm. Bad public policy is at the bottom of all that. And I would find myself counseling, coaching, in certain cases, politicians. And I would see, first of all, how many people are emotionally buffered against the realities that I'm talking about, which is the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Well, the realities affect the majority of people. But the other thing is I saw how our political system operates in such a way that even when people have the best of intentions, a lot of the circumstances I just described to you are pretty much locked in. Now, if you're among 20% of the people in this country who are financially advantaged enough, I would think it's reasonable to assume everybody in this room has hope. Yes. And man, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. But I think even we can at times underestimate the chains that bind so many people. Mm -hmm. We have achieved a point in this country where if you're brilliant enough, if you're beautiful enough, if you're talented enough, you know, no matter who you are and what neighborhood, you can make it. Mm -hmm. That's, That's not enough. You shouldn't have to be super yeah, talented. I completely agree with you. Wow. So really seeing what was going on in the world and the reality of what was going on in the world inspired you to take your spiritual teaching kind of life that you've had and turn it into really giving a spiritual intervention to the world, like in a more political sense. That's exactly how I see it. I don't see it as any different. There are times Mm -hmm. in our, because all that a country is, is a group of people. Yeah. And there are times in life where you have to look in the mirror and say, I got to start over. And this is one of those times for America, we got to start over. We've got to put it all on the table and we need somebody who helps us do that. Yeah. So I think a lot of you know that I have struggled pretty intensely with anxiety my whole life, but specifically this year, anxiety has been incredibly challenging for me and something that has helped me so much overcome my anxiety, get to the root of the problem and actually shift and elevate my life has been ketamine therapy. I have multiple episodes dedicated to ketamine therapy. So it is only natural and so exciting that we have a sponsor today that is talking all about ketamine therapy. They are Mindbloom. Mindbloom is the leader in at-home ketamine therapy They have safely helped thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. It is very different from traditional talk therapy. Ketamine works quickly and doesn't have the often unpleasant side effects of traditional medication. It's just totally different and not even comparable. You can trust me because I have very much done both. So 
What's incredible about MindBloom is you can do ketamine in the comfort of your own home. You will just do a little medical assessment online to make sure that you're a good fit, and then they will pair you with a virtual therapist, and you do ketamine in the comfort of your home in a therapeutic setting. It's everything. Right now, MindBloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six-session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com slash blonde and use the promo code blonde. Take the first step and break free from your anxiety and depression with MindBloom. Mindbloom.com slash blonde, promo code blonde. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I am Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. Well, so to let all of our listeners know, because you mentioned (laughs) you're running for Congress back in 2014. Now here we are in 2023 and you're going to be running for president. I am running for president. You are running for president Mm -hmm. for 2024. And that's a huge deal. You are the first. I mean, you've been on this podcast once before, but you're still the first and only presidential (laughs) candidate that we've ever had on the Balance Blonde show. Well, how cool is that? It's extremely cool. I mean, it's an honor to even be among you and to be learning from you to run for president. Well, I think it's a good thing, though, because we have developed this myth that some people are into politics. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of us say, well, I'm not into politics. But there's an old French saying, if you don't do politics, politics will do you. You know, I've been saying to people in our the personal growth, higher consciousness community for years, good luck with all that green juice. Because mm-hmm. they're poisoning the water and they're poisoning mm-hmm. the air yep. and they're poisoning all the food. You can't, we're getting to the point where there is no amount of money that can buffer you from some of the poisonous and toxic elements Mm -hmm. that are assaulting us on any given day. And I know you're a mother, and you think about those things. I do. I was looking the other day at an article about what's in a ketchup bottle in Canada versus the ingredients of a ketchup bottle in the United States. There are ingredients in the United States ketchup that Canada doesn't even allow. Oh my gosh. Other I mean, advanced, I'm not surprised. Not at all. No, nobody's, this stuff has become normalized. Yeah. I've had so many issues with my health. I've had chronic Lyme disease. I was living in a toxic mold environment. Oh my God. Um, so my listeners know, but the last eight years of my life have been a healing journey and an awakening to what's really going on. I mean, why is it so hard to be healthy? Why is it so hard to even get my hands on food that's actually nutritious and like you're saying with the water and and the soil there's a whole thing going on and it's scary it is scary 
It is scary, and it's time to do something about it. And it's what you said before, an intervention. We don't have universal health care like they do in every other advanced democracy because of the insurance companies. People are insul- uh, rationing their insulin here because of the pharmaceutical companies. People such as yourself, recognizing as mothers, as, as people who are trying to be healthy, uh, carcinogens in our food and our air and our, our ground even, mm-hmm. uh, because of big chemical companies, big food companies, big agricultural companies. We worry about our children and violence because of the greed of gun manufacturers. We recognize that the habitability of the planet could be in peril over the next few decades because of the greed of big oil. And we realize that we've uh, had some terrible military misadventures that were tragic and even criminal errors because of the greed of the defense manufacturers. And everybody's just kind of like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And so we're always playing whack-a-mole. Here, somebody's trying to fix it in the area of food, trying to fix it in the area of agriculture, trying to fix it in the area of battered women, trying to fix it in the area of the environment. And what I believe we need to realize is that it's a big matrix of corporate power. It's all of those industries. And they form what is like a corporate aristocracy. And their profits in policy after policy are placed before the health and the safety and the well-being of the American people, of our Mm -hmm. children, and of our planet. And it is so baked into the system now that that is true, that it's not going to change until we stop. But that system will not disrupt itself. Mm -hmm. We have to disrupt it. We have to stage that intervention. That's my question then, is how would you change that? How would you begin as president to change that reality? Like the big pharmaceutical companies that are very, very powerful, big food, all of it. Well, the president sets a moral vision for the country. former President uh, Franklin Roosevelt said the most important part of the job of the presidency, he said, is not is not administrative, but a moral vision. Mm-hmm. The first thing I would do is what I'm doing now, is to name the problem. You have to name the problem. Corporations have gotten control of this country, of the people, by the people, and for the people. That was the vision that uh, Abraham Lincoln gave us in the Gettysburg Address. He said that the men who had died in that battle for the Union had died so that a government of the people and by the people and for the people would mm-hmm. not perish from the earth. The first thing we have to do is to is to admit it's perishing now. We've become a government of the corporations, by the corporations, and for the corporations. It would be very good just to have you have a president who says that. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then the president points to head agencies. Now, right now, too many of our agencies are run by the people who represent these corporations. So that's the first thing you do mm-hmm. is you appoint a different kind of people. You appoint people who represent the problem solvers rather than the problem generators, because that's what happens in Washington. It's not like we don't have the problem solvers in all the areas that you and I are discussing here today, mm-hmm. but they don't have the power. Yeah. And too often the people in power don't really want to connect with the people who really solve the problems because solving the fundamentally solving those problems does not necessarily serve the immediate short-term profit-making interests of those huge industries, mm-hmm. which are giving the corporate donations. And that's why with me, I'm not tied to those people. I'm not tied to that system. I just want to go in there one time, sort of do a little chiropractic adjustment on this, uh, this country. The president does not have a magic wand. And we don't want a president has a magic wand. So I'm not saying that I go in there and then within six weeks, we all have universal health care. Mm-hmm. Within six weeks, it's not like that. But the president does have a lot of power. 
to set the agenda. The president has the power to appoint agencies. The president has the power of executive orders. And the president has the power of the bully pulpit. I would be naming the truth. I feel that what I'm doing in this campaign is also what I would do as president, say some things that we all know to be true. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I was speaking last night somewhere and really giving some statistics and analysis of what's going on. Then I said, I didn't say anything that everybody here doesn't know. Maybe I give you a few little facts and figures, but we all know this, but it's almost like there's a conspiracy of silence. Mm-hmm. We, we are real as individuals in this society. Americans get down, get real. We could go have lunch and we'd probably within 30 minutes be really talking about things that matter. Yeah. But when it comes to politics, we've all been trained to go, mm-hmm. just talk in <laughs> slogans and keep it real sixth grade, yeah, which is almost, not right? the truth. Exactly. So there is, for instance, I'll give you an example. There was a bill in 1980, Mm -hmm. and it gives the government what's called marching rights. What does that mean? It means when you were talking about pharmaceutical companies, a pharmaceutical company that uses even $1 of taxpayer money in order to make a drug, which is almost every drug made, if any, even $1 is used of taxpayer money, the government has the right to go in and lower the price. But the government too often doesn't do it because they don't want to piss off the pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. So I would go right in there. So there's nothing. This is why it ha- I think it has to be somebody who's not one of them. Yeah, absolutely. It really does. Yeah. Okay, I have been a Shopify girl since day one. When I first turned my brand into a business back in 2013, which you can listen to a little bit of that story on last week's solo episode, I got on Shopify and what I was doing at the time was selling cleanse programs, which is kind of amazing because I still sell cleanse programs on my site. It's just something that I've been passionate about since day one. And I'm so thankful to Shopify because they make everything so easy. So if you are an aspiring entrepreneur or maybe you're already an entrepreneur, but you don't really love the systems that you have going on, this is the commerce platform that will not hold your business back. You owe it to yourself to see what you can do with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions and millions of businesses worldwide. So whether you are an entrepreneur out of your home or you're ready to IPO, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle that comes with having to learn how to code everything. So if you're into health and fitness like me, you can look into selling superfood smoothies, offering probiotics, omega-3s, all that amazing stuff. And we have a very special deal for you. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash balanced, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash balanced to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash balanced. Enjoy. Okay, so you probably know that the human body is mostly made out of water. What you probably don't know is that everything else in your body is 50% amino acids. These building blocks of life are essential for our health and fitness. So no matter how you like to move, whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential 
That is why Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink them every day for energy, muscle, and recovery. You have probably seen them all over my Instagram and my blog at this point. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers or junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes amazing with all natural flavors. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic recovery, you need to get your hands on Keon Aminos. The amazing thing is you can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkeon.com slash balanced. That is G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash balanced, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. We also had the founder on the show, Angelo Keeley, and it was a fan favorite. So tune on in and go to getkeon.com slash balanced to order the best aminos on the market. I think if anything, these crazy last few years that we've had in the world have showed so many of us, even those of us like myself, I mean, I'm openly, I've never, politics has never been my passion. And it was something that I formerly didn't really know much about. And what's the last few years have shown me is how important it is that we're told the truth, that we know what's going on. And basically, I mean, everything you're saying, I think things just have to shift. And I think that women such as yourself are absolutely pivotal to the shift. First of all, young people, 37, there's something like 37%. We are now at a point where demographically, young people will make a difference way more than ever before, even in this next in this next election. You are now at a stage of your life, you have a child yourself, you've dealt with physical illness yourself, you know the issue of do we act, we don't, you know, one of the things that I talked about in the last election, we don't have a sickness care, uh, uh, we don't have a health care system, we have a sickness care system. Mm -hmm. So we have a double whammy. Number one, we need to provide universal health care, like every other advanced democracy. Number two, why are there so many more chronic illnesses than in every other advanced democracy? Because of the quality of our food, because Mm -hmm. of the things that are allowed in, whether it has to do with GMOs or anything else. And you're a mother now. So when you read that PFAS or forever chemicals are in half the water, you mm-hmm. start thinking about what, what am I doing when my little boy is brushing his teeth? I know. These are political issues. Mm-hmm. These are political issues. And electing people who are hip to those issues and willing to use the levers of power to, to deal with those issues becomes urgent. And mm-hmm. at this point, I do think urgent matter is yeah. exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. I know these are the things I think about all the time. The water, I mean, and having a little boy and he's That's 18 right. months now and just And watching. the safety of school when he goes to school. Of course. And I think that there's now, you would know more about this from, uh, than I at this point because you're a younger generation than I. When I, but in the same field of, I've been seeing for decades now this sort of white bread apolitical almost seduced by capitalism a little too much. Like, no, we're not going to go there, mm-hmm. brand protection stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that among the younger people, uh, such as yourself, 
that there's more of an openness and a, and a readiness and a willingness to uh, allow politics in our own consciousness to become another layer of what we think of as a well-lived, meaningful life? Yeah, I do. I think before the pandemic, maybe not. Maybe things mm. were just going on as they were and mm -hmm. as we'd been taught. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, still one of those people who was just like, I don't really want to know about politics. I don't, the more I know, the more unhappy it makes well, me and I don't want to know. But then the pandemic happened and the last three and a half years have been so different. And I've become very, very passionate about so many things. I mean, our basic human rights. And now that I'm a mom, I do think that I'm not alone in that. I mean, I know I'm not alone in that. I think most of our listeners feel that way. And so many people in general, I'm 32, I'll mm -hmm. be 33 in October. And I think myself and those younger than me, people are definitely moving in that direction. You know, I was 31 when I first started lecturing here and the age crisis hit. So I, mine was a very similar timeline to yours, starting around the same age and being hit by something very seriously serious mm -hmm. right away. It makes you grow up very fast, grow up professionally, grow up in terms of uh, what you're going to put your focus on and also what you were going to apply your, you know, the, the benefits of your platform mm -hmm. uh, to. So yeah, it's a whole different level yeah. of leadership. That it you, is. And it's also just wanting to serve others. And I think... Which is the same thing. Well, it's the same thing. Like, <laughs> spirituality is serving others. And so and is leadership. So is leadership. You're right. And yeah, you're taking it to the whole next level. So I probably should already know this, but who is your vice president? Um, oh, well, that no, that's not something you would, okay. would necessarily already know. That's, okay, good. Uh, I was just worried. I, the way it works is that I would have to win the nomination first okay. and then name my vice president. So obviously I don't have that anyone yet, but I can tell you it would be someone who does know Washington. So there are some people who would say, oh, Marianne Williamson, you can't have her. She's not qualified. Uh, she hasn't uh, served in office before. What they're really saying is that to them, qualified means somebody who is already in their club and knows how to perpetuate and maintain the system as it is. My qualification is that I know something about disrupting that system. It will not, the status quo will not disrupt itself. But as president, it would be good to have someone at my side mm -hmm. who did know uh, the car mechanics, the political car mechanics. Now, the problem, though, in, for the nation is not that we don't have enough good political car mechanics. The problem is we're on the wrong road. Mm -hmm. So I want a good political car mechanic to help me drive the car, but I'm the one that's going to drive it because we're going to turn this thing around mm -hmm. uh, when, we're, when we're in office. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. See, these are the things that I didn't previously know about politics, but I'm happy to be learning. Thank you. And hopefully with me asking questions such as that one, a lot of people listening will be learning too. You know, Jordan, I've often said that uh, politics is like watching a soap opera. Mm -hmm. When you first turn it on, you don't know who the characters are. You don't understand the plot, but it's sort of on in the background. Yeah. And within a few days, you're looking and going, Oh, oh, I get it. She's with him. Mm -hmm. uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> you just pick it up. And then yeah. politics and, and there are people who want it to be this way mm -hmm. that you think it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. It's actually not. Yeah. It's corporations run everything. 
Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> and, true. And too many, uh, too many legislators, our Congress has become a system of legalized bribery in many cases. Mm-hmm. And they do more to serve the short-term profit goals of their donors than the goal of health, safety, and well-being of their constituents. Mm-hmm. Now, our Declaration of Independence says that governments are instituted to secure our rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it says that if the government is not doing that job, and you and I would agree that in many ways it's not, that it is the right of the people to alter it or abolish it. And that's why we're here. Yeah. It's We need to alter it. Just like the abolitionists did, just mm-hmm. like the women's suffragists did, just like the civil rights movement did. There have been times in our history where there were systems of legalized, institutionalized suppression and oppression. And that's what we're talking about now, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. what we're talking about now. And our ancestors rose up and rejected that and pushed back. And it's simply our turn now. We need a new beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's how you and I started this conversation. Sometimes you have to start over in life. Yeah, a new beginning. I a love new it. beginning. Wow. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. You've probably seen it all over my Instagram. I first gave AG1 a try back in the day because I am such a supplement girl. I take all the supplements and I just wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I also wanted better gut health, more energy, immune system support, all the things, especially as a new mom. I like to drink AG1 first thing in the morning before I start my day, before I make my coffee. I just like to put something really hydrating, really good and really nutritional in my body first thing in the morning. What I love is that AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. They are a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients, and I just trust their ingredients so much. So if you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash blonde. That is drinkag1.com slash blonde. Check it out. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Okay, so one of my passions that we talk about on here a lot is hormone health. Hormones are the number one cause of skin, hair, and beauty issues. And our hormones, unfortunately, right now are all under attack due to chronic stress and the 85,000 chemicals that we're exposed to every single day. So using a brand that is backed by an integrated health approach and verified hormone disruptor free, first and foremost, will help you feel and look your best and get your hormones back in balance. This is why I love Veracity Skincare so much because their mission is to give people the tools to achieve hormonal balance because your outer appearance is a direct reflection of your inner atmosphere. So I like to get to the root cause of everything, as you guys know. And what I love about Veracity is they have an at-home test so that you can figure out what's really going on in your body. Then on top of it, they have skincare to target and treat, and they also have supplements to support 
support and rebalance. So they have a little bit of everything. I love their blemish calming cleanser. It's amazing, even for super sensitive skin. And I also love their Bio Evolve probiotic. And of course, we have a special deal for you. Visit veracityselfcare.com slash balanced to get 20% off your first order when you use code balanced at checkout. That's V-E-R-A-C-I-T-Y selfcare.com forward slash balanced for 20% off your first purchase with the code balanced. So I'm curious, what does your daily life look like? What is like a day in the life of Mary? Well, I woke up this morning. I had to have a Zoom call with lawyer and publisher. Uh, my second was a Zoom call uh, to do a podcast uh, with Fox, uh, Fox mm-hmm. Media. Uh, now I'm having a podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Then I have another podcast after this. Uh, this is an interesting because today it's a, the more spiritual orientation. My mm-hmm. podcast this afternoon is more political orientation. Oh. But, you know, the two are coming together uh-huh. and interfacing, uh-huh. I, I, as we know. Yes. Uh, after that, I am doing a, an interview with somebody very interesting named Nancy McLean. And you would probably find this interesting. She wrote a book called Democracy in Chains. And she really traces what happened that things got to where they are. Mm-hmm. And it was a very well-strategized plan backed by billions of dollars to get us to the point where corporate power and the wealth of a very few people would have such dominance at the expense of so many people. And then this evening, uh, talking to a man who does fantastic work who might work for my campaign. Wow, that's amazing. So you have a lot of energy. You have well, a you lot have to have like a lot of energy too. You have a little energy. three-year-old. Is that a yeah. three-year-old? He's, he's a year and a half. Oh, and a year I and a half, a little boy. Have a you, little... you have a lot on your plate too. Yeah, he's very active, very wild, all over the place. It's so much fun. I love that. And what would a day in your downtime look like? What would you like to do with your free time if you had a day just totally off of work and all of these interviews and all of that? Like... Schlumpy clothes, no makeup, nothing I have to do, total brain rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I want to watch something light and stupid on TV, I can. Just truly every aspect of my being taking a rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope that you do that Thank every you. so often every because so it's very necessary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know that something else that you talk about is the politics of love. Let's talk about that. I mean, you've written books on love. Love is the answer to everything. I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, I think everything you and I have been talking about is the politics of love. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about those kids from Latin America and we talk about what their parents are having to go through and being forced to live in the shadows, what is politics of love? More enlightened immigration policies. Mm-hmm. When you talk about kids in schools who don't even have the resources to learn to read, I was reading an article once that one quarter of the girls in the public school system in Chicago would be clinically diagnosed with PTSD. But remember these kids, it's not just past, you know, post-traumatic stress, it's present traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. It is triggered every day. What is the politics of love? What I have in my agenda, which is a a Department of Children and Youth, a moving of our resources to uh, the lives of children 10 years and younger, and a goal within 10 years of every public school in America being an absolute palace of learning and culture and the arts. 
what is a politics of love? A politics of love is standing up to Monsanto. A politics of love is, is uh, cutting the defense budget. A politics of love is establishing a uh, Department of Peace. A politics of love is a, uh, is a just transition from a dirty economy to a clean economy. A politics of love is a just transition from a war economy to a peace economy. A politics of love is collectively applying the same principles of, of ethics and and. and just basic human decency Mm -hmm. that we seek to apply to our own individual lives. Yeah. I I mean, you and I are mothers. Mm -hmm. So what do you seek? You and your husband, what do you want to do? You want to provide a safe home for your baby. You want him to be nurtured. You want him to be well-fed and Mm well-educated. But the love that will save the world at this time cannot just be love for our own children. It has to also be love for the kids on the other side of town. It also has to be love for kids on the other side of the world or our own kids will not be safe. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And having a child of my own Wake has made you. me, yeah, makes me Wakes realize. Wakes you up. You see every little baby, little kid in the world and all they deserve is Should have this. love, freedom, the best chance to live the life of their dreams. Can you imagine if you and your husband and little boy were faced with a situation where violence and horror filled your environment to such an extent that you and your husband said, let's take Atticus, let's walk to South America where maybe we could get a job as a busboy. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine at all. Oh. oh my goodness. Yeah. And once you know, you can't not know. Mm-hmm. Once you see, you can't not see. And I think so much of, you know, you said something a few minutes ago about how I didn't want to know. Mm-hmm. I think there are things, and this is definitely an issue of personal transformation because this applies to our private lives as much as to our collective. I don't even want to look. Yeah. Because if I look, it might be overwhelming. Yeah. But then you look and you go, oh, now I'm free. Mm-hmm. I'm free because once I look at it, I can start talking about solutions and I can get into the solution. But if I just hold the problem at bay and won't allow myself to look at it, then. Yeah. Yeah. And that is like personal work as well. I mean, looking at your own shadow and looking at a nation shadow. Dark and a light. Yeah. And, and just like in personal work, they say you can't do a spiritual bypass. Mm-hmm. Neither can a country. Yeah. Wow. That is very powerful. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love thinking of it that way. Thank you. The next thing I wanted to ask you a little more back toward what you were talking about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. because I know we have a lot of people listening who love A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend getting started with The Course in Miracles? Well, there are three books. Mm -hmm. There are, there's the text, which is volume one. There's uh, the workbook for students, which is volume two. And then there's something called manual for teachers, which is volume three. There's nothing in the course that says which book to read first. Mm -hmm. But whatever you read, read it from the beginning. When I first read, so the text is the intellectual basis of the course. It's over 600 pages. It's very dense. The workbook is 365 days of exercises. And the course says the workbook trains your mind to think along the the lines that the text sets forth. So I might understand sort of the metaphysics of forgiveness from reading the text, but if I actually do the workbook exercise that day, that's how it sort of enters your deep subconscious as you do that meditation exercise. When I first did the course, I read the text 
and the workbook simultaneously. But that's not to say that that's a quote-unquote right way to do it. That was the right way to do it for me because I felt the text was explaining to me why I was doing the workbook, and the workbook was making the text real for me. Mm -hmm. And then the third volume answers just questions that you have. But the course does say at the beginning that read it from the beginning because it is a very well-established curriculum. Otherwise, there's actually there's something in the course that says if you go to the end too fast, you know, skip pages, the situa- the, it says something about how the material could become more traumatic than beatific. Oh, you know, wow. you got to really follow the curriculum. Now, books like mine, Return to Love, mm-hmm. I think of it as the cliff notes of the course. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's very similar. And, and some people find it helpful because it is very dense material. And, and I'll tell you something interesting. You know, I think of myself as a popularizer. I think of myself doing with politics exactly what I did with A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my thing. I read really dense, you know, and then I come back to you and I say, so let me tell you, this is what it's yeah. actually saying. You're like a translator. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think that what I've learned from my work in the spiritual world is is that okay mm-hmm. i read all the material let me let me make this clear <laughs> yeah and then people then start reading the deeper material yeah. too it's it's but uh i feel that i'm sort of playing the same role mm-hmm. that's a really good way to put it a return to love is is the cliff notes i mean that's how i view it mm-hmm. to a course in miracles not and a substitute for the course no but, but yeah. it's so much easier to get through and to understand <laughs> thank you yes what's your favorite book you've ever written You know, I wrote a book called Enchanted Love that is my least commercially successful book. But it's sort of my heart's favorite. Whenever somebody comes up to me and says, you know, my favorite of all your books is Enchanted Love, I feel a real special bond with that person because the world didn't want it. But if, yeah. you, if you like Enchanted Love, it's, it's, it's about the romantic mysteries of intimate love and and. I don't know that book with writing. You have not had your second child yet, and mm-hmm, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I, I only have one child, but I I know obviously that when you have different children, you love them all in a different uh-huh. way, and that's how I feel about my books. Every book I wrote was written from the passion of that time and that moment, and then a book like a child goes out into the world and has their own life and their own yes. relationships, and mm-hmm. uh, I just feel honored to have written them all, but. Some of them, I did that. That was that. That has its own life. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally understand. And what is your daily spiritual practice look like? A Course in Miracles. I also do transcendental meditation, but I'm not consistent on a daily basis mm-hmm. with TM. But A Course in Miracles workbook, you know, The Course in Miracles says five minutes with the Holy Spirit in the morning guarantees he will be in charge of your thought forms throughout the day. Wow. Preparing, and I think whether, it, you know, The Course in Miracles doesn't have any monopoly on truth. There are many different systems, religious, you know, I believe there's one truth spoken in many different ways. But modernity is an assault on the nervous system. You and I have been talking about toxins in food. There's just toxins in the thinking. I mean, yes. you know, it just, every every nobody has any impulse control right now. It's like we're just being assaulted. Grounding yourself. If you if you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is go to social media. The first thing you do is go, your nervous system. You hardly have a chance. You know, it's like don't be surprised that you're depressed by mm-hmm. noon. So grounding ourselves is kind of like taking a shower. You don't want to take yesterday's dirt into the day on your body, 
But if we don't meditate or pray or do something that really grounds us spiritually in the morning, you're taking yesterday's stress into the day. Mm -hmm. And not only that, if you go right to social media, you're taking the stress of people all over the world. People in Vermont were in the flood or people in whomever, wherever. So there's nothing more important than aligning yourself with what is more deeply true than what's going on in this world in the morning. Then you're ready to go out into the world and be at cause of a greater light within it rather than at the effect of all of its darkness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And five minutes, five minutes is very doable for all well, of us. Well, it's so interesting, people who say they don't have time you mm -hmm. know, to meditate. And also, I want to say something else about since you have a little boy. Yes. And I learned this uh, when I was a young mother, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but little children... If you raise your little kids, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, Mary, and I want to meditate, but I have kids. It's amazing. If you really raise your children with this, okay, now, we're going to have really quiet time with God. Yeah. Now, Atticus at one and a half, a little boy, I don't know. Uh -huh. There will come a time, three or four, okay, we're going to have very quiet time, and we're just going to be quiet with God. Children have a natural, natural, okay. Mm. That's so beautiful. You know, I always say, get this stuff into your kids. My, my daughter this morning, as a matter of fact, she sent me a little video. They were on their way to baby yoga. Uh-huh. Baby Love. yoga. It's the baby best. Baby yoga. Atticus and I did a lot yeah. of baby yoga yeah. before he started crawling and uh -huh. then walking. Otherwise, uh -huh. Not interested. yoga was just chasing him around. <laughs> but he knows how to do yoga with me. He uh -huh. does down dog. He does uh -huh. child's uh -huh. pose. Yeah, exactly. If I'm doing yoga, he charges my yoga mat right. gets on my foam roller right 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 it's so cute i love that your daughter is doing that take a lot of video take a lot little of grand video. oh my god so many i have i was just showing them i have one hundred and fifty thousand photos on my phone it's a lot you'll show them i'm at never his, gonna stop yes. you'll show them at his wedding rehearsal yes i will so i want to ask you some of the rapid fire questions okay. that i ask everyone who comes on okay if you could be in a room with three people living or dead who would they be abraham lincoln Thomas Jefferson, Jesus. Amazing. That is a good room. <laughs> yeah, quite a, quite a dinner. Yes. And who are your mentors? My mentors are, there are two layers of mentorship. Mm -hmm. One, I mentioned a woman earlier, Alma Wilson, who, had, who was the chief justice of the Supreme Court of Oklahoma, and she was also a very uh, religious Christian scientist. She was a mentor on a certain level. And I certainly have had those. But one of the things I notice is on any given day, someone might be a mentor. I was dropped off here today by my friend Catherine Woodward Thomas, who you might have heard of. Uh, she wrote the book Calling in the One. And, and you can't priest yourself. I can't Marianne Williamson, Marianne Williamson. Mm -hmm. It's so true. You know? And uh, she was coaching me on some things this morning. She was just giving me wisdom that I needed to hear, mm -hmm. helping me realign my thoughts about some things. So this morning, she was my mentor. Yeah. You know, it's mm -hmm. on any given day. If you're really open, you know, the whole notion metaphysically is that everything you need is right there. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we don't receive what we need is that we're not open to listening to people. But if you are open to listening to people, first of all, none of us have a monopoly on the truth. But secondly, also, when it's you, we all have blind spots or things that we might know, but it's hard to apply them to our own triggers or our own blind spots. And so on any given day, 
you get wisdom sometimes from unexpected places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I love that. Do you know your sun rising and moon signs? Cancer, Gemini rising, Capricorn moon. Oh, wow. What a combo. I totally see that for you, by the way. Capricorn yeah, moon. Well, Capricorn moon is not a good moon sign for a woman. It's kind of cold. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of hard. I appear stern mm-hmm. when I'm really feeling I'm a cancer and I'm feeling very sensitive. But, yeah. you know, sometimes I feel like if, if somebody will say, why are you frowning? I'm not frowning. I'm just sitting there. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just thinking. Resting um, face. So I think that's kind of... um. But I, I understand about astrology that there's no good or bad. There's no. the lessons to be Absolutely. learned. Absolutely, you know mm-hmm. the the evolved of every sign, the primitive of every That's sign. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And do you know your human design? I did it once. Somebody gave me a reading, but I, to me, it was. I, I just find astrology juicier. So mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really retain what I learned in yeah, human design. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you remember what you were? Like maybe a generator? I don't remember. I don't remember. I did have a reading, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. There's a lot of things to try to remember in this life. And it can be a little... Human design can be a little complicated. Yeah, it was complicated. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, I'm just curious. And if you were a color, what color best represents your energy? A deep wine color. Ooh, mm-hmm. beautiful. I totally see that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And where can everyone find you? Oh, thank you. Well, uh, at Marianne2024.com. And if anybody does uh, want to see this energy and this message in the political realm, I hope they will uh, give to the campaign, uh, volunteer, sign up to volunteer for the campaign. Look at the website, once again, Marianne2024.com, and uh, see what uh, might be of interest to you. Amazing. Thank you so much Thank for coming you so on. Much, Thank this you so much for having me. Such an amazing conversation. You taught us so much. Thank and you. We'll be rooting for you. Thank I'm very you. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Woohoo! Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.